Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have a fantastic interview for all of you listeners, an episode that has, dare I say, become an annual tradition on this podcast as we are joined once again by University of North Carolina women's tennis head coach Brian Kalbis following his team's run to the 2023 National Indoor title. It's the fourth consecutive title won by the Tar Heels, seventh in program history. They're now 39-4 and overall at the National Indoor event since the start of 2013. It is an unprecedented run that we reflect on with Coach Kalbis today at that National Indoor Championship event. And of course, this run to the 2023 title, as thrilling as any of the runs in Tar Heel history. We break down all aspects of the team's success in Seattle. Talk about where this team goes from here as well. Again, a fantastic episode that I am certain all of you listeners will enjoy. With that in mind, let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with University of North Carolina head coach Brian Kalbis. Hey, crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link to get signed up? Just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast once again today for what has truly become an annual tradition here on this show is the head coach of the University of North Carolina women's tennis team, a coach who is now the winningest coach in Division I women's ITA national indoor history, of course. He captured his seventh overall title this past weekend, fourth consecutively in Seattle. Welcome back onto the show, head coach Brian Calvis. Coach, congratulations to you and and the heels. How are you doing today? <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Uh, love, uh, love being on your show. Obviously, even more so after you uh, win a championship. Uh, it's great your, your uh, show. I watch it and listen to it all the time, and it's it's fabulous. And uh, you do such a great job. And I uh, just want to thank you for having me. 
Well, I appreciate you saying that. You'll notice the introductions for you get longer and longer every time we do this as you rack up more accolades. And, you know, that's obviously where we have to start. I'm sure, like myself, you are feeling a bit hit by a sledgehammer here two days afterwards. I always notice you have adrenaline the next day, but it's that Wednesday where it all sort of crashes down on you. That said, I'm curious if you've had time to reflect on that fact. Again, seventh title in program history at the indoors you become the winningest coach in that events history what does that mean to you what does that say about your program uh it just says that uh we have incredible players and uh just uh the whole staff that everybody it, it takes so many different people uh to accomplish this incredible uh, uh feat so just uh, proud of uh the athletics you know this, you know department that we have that allows us to to recruit the best players, the best people, and um, to have this kind of consistency year in, year out, um, you have to have continuity. And uh, we have players that love Carolina. They love uh, our program. They love uh, Chapel Hill. And, you know, we don't have too many players transferring out uh, per se. And um, uh, we were very fortunate to have a, a great per, uh, player in person transfer in this year. Um, so that added so much, but um you have to have continuity. You, you know, I think you mentioned we've won four in a row, but we've been to nine straight finals. And, you know, to, to do that, you, your players have to, they have to be happy. They have to be hungry. They have to, uh, to continue to get better and they, and, and play for each other. And that's kind of the, the, the program that we've uh, been able to establish over the years. I was joking on the broadcast all weekend long in our interview last week. You mentioned one of the highlights of the National Indoors for you is it's one of the rare opportunities in the college tennis calendar for a team to play four matches consecutively. And I was joking on the broadcast that actually it's just an opportunity for your team to always play four matches consecutively, because as you alluded to nine straight finals, most teams guaranteed just the three matches. And again, that's the testament to the consistency you all have shown year in year out. And the question all of us are wondering how do you get your team to peak like this, this early in the season, consistently, even though, you know, again, 10, t- 10 finals in 11 years, seven titles in 11 years. It's ridiculous to say out loud, what is it that you and obviously the wave of assistant coaches you have had throughout the stretch have been able to do to get your teams ready for February? Well, we, um, uh, you know, you mentioned in our last broadcast that we've, uh, we played more matches than any other team. I think, um, you know, we did that for several reasons and won't go into the reasons per se, but I think the matches that we've played allow us to be competitively ready. And, and we played a bunch of different players in all these matches. And so it gives, you know, it's interesting how we, our very first match to the finals against Georgia, how, how far our team has, has grown. And uh, they, you know, the, the other players who didn't play in Seattle, played a lot in the beginning of the season. And so we're truly a team. Uh, we have 10 players and, um, you know, we, we, we really pride ourselves on if you're on the team, you're on the team and you get the same opportunities for individual workouts, you know, traveling opportunities. So that uh, gear and all this stuff. So, you know, we don't have a kind of a A team, B team, varsity, junior varsity. So, you know, we're, you know, I think the, the, the chemistry, the continuity um, truly, helps our team kind of 
you know, a, a get together early in the season. This year we went to Sarah McClure's uh, parents invited us to their house and we had a little team bonding trip in South Carolina and we did a bunch of, you know, fun things. Um, so uh, we did some skeet shooting. Uh, we did, uh, they did some, um, uh, you know, uh, three wheel uh, driving and some, you know, three wheel uh, riding. Uh, we, we, you know, went to some restaurants and played some uh, pickleball. There's a lot of things that, you know, kind of bond the team together early in the season. And I don't know if all those things really are the reasons why, but I think to me, our team really enjoys being together. I, I, I say it all the time. The, the indoor tournament is, is such a special event. You're with each other. You know, we, I mean, it was amazing. We're, we left on Tuesday. We returned on Tuesday. We're gone for a week. We played four matches. You're, you're practicing all the time. Uh, you're with each other all the time. So it's, you're either, if you're a close team, you really can thrive in that environment. If you're, if you're kind of a, a makeshift trying to become a close team, it could maybe, it could maybe tear you apart. And I think we've been very fortunate to have good people um, who like being around each other, who support each other, care about each other. They, and, and, and they, they truly want what's best for each other. So I think in and of itself, that's it. And, and maybe it's a situation where after the, after the break, the holiday break, you know, they're, they're away from each other for about a month and they, they miss each other and they really, they're excited, you know, and whenever we've been excited and, and thriving and, and, um, and enjoying things, good things have happened for us. So I don't know exactly why it's, it, this has been a, a recipe of success for us, but, um, I do think though, there's another factor that, you know, we've, um, we've been very, um, noticing in our, in our, in our, uh, when around the road this, this past weekend, we had Abby, uh, you know, talk about, uh, you know, Tyler picked these two books out for our team to read over the break. And, um, and Abby did a presentation the day before we played Pepperdine and it was just a great presentation. And Reese did, you know, the presentation before we played, uh, Wisconsin and, you know, it just, it really helps our team bond together and, and, and understand what, why we're there, what we're looking for, and give us a a a a, a place of of togetherness throughout the weekend. No, that's fascinating to hear, and so many things to follow up on. The place I have to start, just the vibes I got from the team throughout the course of the weekend. There's no way Reese Brantmeyer isn't the best skeet shooter on the roster. Like, there's no way she's not out there and just like pull and just like a first shot bang. You know. uh, she uh, unfortunately wasn't there for the ski shooting. <laughs> she went. She went with Tyler to the uh, pro tournament in Naples, sure. which she and McKenna won. So she was there Friday night. Okay. But she and left Saturday morning to go to Naples. Actually, the best one, the two, the two, the two that were tied, I think for the most were Carson and my son Joey. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, Carson was going to be my second guest. There's like a hundred percent that checks out. And no, it was clear this team has a chemistry that I'm not going to say other Carolina teams didn't have, but maybe even this team has it to that nth degree. And, you know, with that in mind, let's talk about this run. And on yesterday's show, it was funny. I was comparing the last four. I've had the privilege to be broadcasting the last four as well. So again, you're welcome. Um, (laughs) But, you know, looking at how this year compared to past seasons, I always say 2020, it didn't matter what any other team was doing. You guys were 
playing chess. Everyone else was playing checkers. And so that title was different. 2021, it was very clear coming out of that event. You guys played exceptional tennis, backs against the wall in the final. But Texas was as good as you. And that team was young, and they were hungry, and they were going to give you a fight no matter what happened later on in the season. Last year was sort of a case, in my opinion, of there were a lot of good teams, but no one was truly ready And your team, with its experience, with that continuity you mentioned, that ingredient is what allowed you to separate yourselves from the rest of the field. All of that is a setup to say, this year was different. The field was ready. You got everyone's best shot from the very start of this tournament, whether it was Pepperdine, whether it was Michigan, whether it was that A&M match, and then, of course, a Georgia team who played you guys really close in Chapel Hill just a few weeks ago. As you look at this 2023 run, again, let's just start, I suppose, with the doubles in general, and in particular, that doubles in the final. That that set at one was about as high a level of doubles as I think you'll see throughout the course of this college tennis season. What did you view about how your team progressed in that point, and what was, again, a a tricky week throughout the course of the weekend? Yeah, um, Georgia has really good doubles. We saw them when we played them at our place. We got down 5-0-3-0-3-0 very quickly and um, somehow, someway clawed back. Normally when you get down that that, in in that degree in a one set, no ad deal, it's hard to come back. Um, We knew, we talked about it before this match that we wanted to to kind of set the tone and um, uh, we didn't get down as, as, as much but there were still at one doubles, um, you know, Tyler did an incredible job with, with Reese and Scotty and, and um, he just has really gotten them to kind of buy into a formula of, of being aggressive. And um, I think you could, you could see there, there, that team is really challenging to play because Grant is so athletic at the net and Niren Dorn has such, such incredible hands. She can lob, she can redirect. It's just, it's hard, you know, to really, stick to your aggressiveness when they have the ability to kind of keep you off balance. So um, it was just, it was, for me, I just, I was able just to take a step back and enjoy it. Um, and and I wasn't coaching that court. Uh, I was the lone coach who lost their match coaching <laughs> that day. So uh, um, I let my, my wonderful assistants kind of uh, just do their job and uh, they did an incredible job, but it was Reese and, and Scotty who really came through and, and really pressure situations. And you could tell, that it was it was a very uh, nervy doubles point that I think both teams really really wanted it, um, and I think uh, we felt confident even you know from the day before that we lost the doubles point for the first time against A and M that we can step up and and you know the doubles point means a lot but it's not everything to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying what it means to Georgia, but I felt that once we got that doubles point, we felt really confident going into the singles portion. Mm -hmm. And I do want to get back to the finals. I'm going to blame the hangover on just the fact that I'm still recovering as an interviewer as well. And so it wasn't my best flow. But to my analysis of the past four indoor runs, and I apologize, I wish I remembered 13, 16, 18 better. Did you feel that sense of like, wow, like these teams are really good everywhere? And obviously that A&M match, I mean – that felt like an NCAA championship. Like, what did you think of the level of the field this year? Um, I mean, obviously, um, it was 
by far our toughest road to go because mm-hmm. we played Pepperdine in the first round, which I was shocked playing them in the first round. And I was really, um, again, not just to play Pepperdine, but the, their doubles, their one and two doubles were very, very good. Mm-hmm. And I knew their one doubles was really good because we played them in the in, uh, the fall final nationals uh, with Carson and Fiona. And so just to stop you there, you guys almost lost that doubles point. We broadcasted that one. You were up some early leads. Pepperdine, you know, snuck their way back. Fiona and Carson dropped that breaker on two. Abby and Riley come through. In your head in that moment, are you like, oh, my God, this is doubles point day one. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, with how good uh, Pepperdine is at the top three spot, sure. I felt I felt we had to win the doubles point. And mm-hmm. Um, and then, and if Fiona, who's not a hundred percent, um, says she can only play doubles. So, you know, again, knowing that she's not going to be playing singles, I thought we needed to win the doubles point and, and, and Riley and, and, and Abby were such incredible rocks for us all weekend long. Didn't lose a match. Uh, I mean, they were, I mean, they really, you know, you know, anchored our doubles in and allowed the other two teams to kind of win when they needed to win. Um, so I think the doubles point, you're right. The doubles point against Pepperdine was gigantic in many ways, emotionally, just, you know, you know, to, again, knowing that we're not playing Fiona, we knew Fiona wasn't playing. Nobody knew Fiona wasn't playing except that, you know, we we did. So the fact that we had to, in our mind, win that doubles point against a very good team the first day, uh, was, was, was big for us. And then, and then going into, um, you know, again, the next against Michigan, I mean, I knew Michigan was really good. Uh, we hadn't played them like we normally do in the regular season, but watching what they did, beating Oklahoma, Oklahoma State twice, uh, beating a tough Virginia team, you know, that was that was another, you know, really tough, tough match. And, and you know, again, we um, in that match, we kept Scotty out. Um, and then, obviously, playing AM, they had been rolling. They, they won 4-0, 4-0, and – um, we hadn't played AM since Mark has been the, the head coach and, but tremendous, you know, uh, year they had last year. And I know how good they are. They kept giving more and more talent. They got a couple of good freshmen at four and six and, and a really good transfer in Salma Ewing. And, and those other players they had last year are in, you know, pilot and, and, uh, and Morellas and those players are at the bottom. So, I mean, probably the deepest team in the country, uh, no question. So, um, we, you know, after, again, after getting steamrolled in doubles, um, we knew the singles was, was huge. And, uh, so yeah, it was, that was a really, really incredible match. And seeing on my side, seeing how well Fiona played against Carson Branstein and how well, you know, Elizabeth Scotty and then, and then obviously Carson Tangelig come back and three set incredible, uh, uh, just matches that were very epic, in, you know, and in, in so many ways, just a lot of, you know, the Scotty, you know, <laughs> Goldsmith match was such a great ball striking match. I mean, it was it was it was a heavyweight 15 round knockout blow blow by blow. And then the Carson match, it was strategic. It was like, okay, who you know, Carson's up a set in 3-0, and then Salma takes an injury timeout, then it comes back. He thought she's not moving very well, and then she starts moving great. So then it becomes a mental battle, and then Carson's like, okay, you know, let me let's let's start using all the tools in my toolbox and you know, we serving volley's not working, so we'll serve and you know bring her in, and we'll do some different things. And it was just a a great match. And then obviously Reese beating Stoyana, who I have the most most respect for. I mean, Stoyana is arguably one of the the toughest players, most athletic players. Uh, 
you know, Fiona just had two incredible battles with her in the fall. Um, so reminds Abby, me of Mukova. She's like so, so good. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the amazing thing about Abby is like the match, the match with Abby's match is yeah. she's like, okay, I'm down four zero and realizes that, okay, Carson's in the third set tiebreaker. It's like, I need to, I need to kick it into gear. And, and then, you know, she's almost on, on serve at four all. So, um, and you know, that's, that's just to, to me the, you know, the match of the tournament for us. And then, and then well, obviously, well, so let me, let me stop you there because I do want to ask, and you were on the, the odd side. And for people that don't know Nordstrom tennis center, three courts, one, three, five on one side, three courts, two, four, six on the other, you were on the odd side. So you can't watch Abby. That said, I'm in the broadcast booth and I'm watching what all the coaches are doing. And at about the two hour, I'm looking at my wrist. I don't know why. At about the two hour 15 mark of the match, all of you start scoreboard watching. It was just like a testament to scoreboard watching. It was delightful. And the reason I bring that up is, did you sense the gravity of that match? Just again, the intensity of it. You guys drop doubles. You take four first sets. In the two matches, you drop first sets. You come back and force thirds. That said, you know, you got Goldsmith on five making a push. Ewing on three making a push for AM. Brantmeyer and Stoyana on serve the entire way. Did you sense the gravity of the match in the moment? Did you realize, like, okay, this is really good? And to your point, Abby coming back the way she did in the third. Did that help in your in your mind? Did you feel that was helping Scotty and Carson, even though they were on that other side? Well, okay. So from my vantage point, you, you're right. There are these big, massive scoreboards on both sides, so you can't get around it, um, and it's point <laughs> by point. So I, I I knew that we were struggling at four and six in the in the third sets, and so I. I took. I was going back and, and Fiona was done. I was going back and forth from the end courts on my side, and I really wanted to get Scotty through, or help her as much as I could. And and I don't take any credit for any wins. And I and I and she she deserves all the credit. But as soon as she won, okay, which is an incredible incredible match, okay, I normally I go I normally go celebrate and I I give her a hug and I I just I just I let the teammates do that. I just walked right over to Carson's court. Because I knew, to me, I was like, okay, I, I don't know what the vibe is on the other side. All I know is that we're, we're, we're somewhat struggling, and I need to try and help Carson as, as best I can. And But to your credit, your comment, you can see that, and, and I'm sure Carson felt this, but when, when Abby started coming back, mm-hmm. I, I truly felt that that helped Carson feel like, okay, it's not all on me. The pressure is not completely on me. I don't have to win. I want to win. I'm going to do what I need to do. But if not, my teammates got my back because she's getting getting her, you know herself back in it. So that you know, I was more focused on like let's just take care of my side and see what I can do. And um, you know, our, our our you know, I was very fortunate that you know our side really got it done. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, again, ever it was. It was that good. And as you look back, and I, again, it's a credit to Coach Weaver, that A&M roster, we know how good they'll be come May. Not to disrespect the Georgia final, and we'll get back to that in a second. But in that moment, are, like coming off of that A&M match, are you thinking, all right, that team's NCAA finals good? Like, Because that's what this tournament's all about, right? And I'm curious if, that, if, you know, again, you get a sense of that in the moment. Yeah, again, I had not seen them in, in person. Um 
you know, in a long time. Um, so, um, uh, obviously since Howard was coaching there, so that's a long, long time, um, seems forever, but, um, uh, it, to me, it was very evident how good they are. Okay. And, uh, and, and how good they're going to be down the road. So, um, you know, again, I, I came, I came away with a lot of, a lot of respect for them and the quality of play. Um, and how talented and athletic they are. They, they, they really move really well. They're athletic. They're gifted. Um, they're probably the best uh, naturally handsy team. They're, they remind me, they remind me a lot of a, of, of a, a really good guys team. I mean, they move well, they slide, um, they come forward. Uh, they got, they got good touch. They make a lot of gets. So, you know, that team, in and of itself is a team you have to beat. They're not going to beat themselves. So um, they've got weapons. They're not just defensive minded. They're also, they, they also have weapons. So, but you know, you know, for us, we, we had to kind of within the matches, figure out, you know, you know, st strategic game plans and, and areas to kind of break them down and, and, and weather some storms. And we were able to do that. Yeah, no, I mean, everywhere, even Annika who loses that match at six, her winning that second set, it just was like, okay, it's battles everywhere, and uh, it was it was a very fun match. And again, you could feel the confidence your team brought into the final that next day. And one of the players who was just spectacular all weekend long, a strong introduction to the college tennis world, certainly was freshman Reese Brantmeyer. The word twitchy just comes to mind when I watch her play. And you know, down the third set, uh, the first set breaker, excuse me, at that one double spot. You know, Scotty and Narun Dorn are doing battle at the baseline, and you know, Reese is just bouncing. At the net, she's always peeking over, always looking to make that move, that energy, that aggressiveness. Talk to me about what you saw from the freshman who obviously clinches against Chen on day one at that number one spot, gets that massive win over Stoyana, and then, you know, again, may have been unfinished against Vidmanova, but certainly made some definitive plays down the home stretch to earn that felt like almost clinching doubles point. Well, Reese's, I mean, Reese's, um, has been a world-class doubles player at every level. Um, I mean, juniors, she's won many pro events. She won around the U.S. Open this year. Um, you know, she's played in the mixed doubles, U.S. Open. I mean, she's she's definitely an accomplished doubles player, and um, it's it's it, it's really cool to see. You know, she was really excited when we put her with Scotty, and and uh, and because she's like, I've always loved to play with Scotty. I I think she she'd be fun to play with, and. And I know, you know, Scotty was so excited when we put her with Reese because of, of obviously the, what, what Reese can do at the net. And, and Scotty has gotten so much better at the net. Her volleys are already. I'm so happy you said that. So I made this on the commentary. I said this, and I don't mean to interrupt you. Scotty, when her and McKenna won the doubles title, they won it. But it wasn't because Scotty was a good volleyer. Scotty is a good volleyer now. When did that happen? Well, uh yeah, very astute observation for you there, Alex. <laughs> um, McKenna, when they when they beat uh, the Texas team, Collins and Son, it was uh, again. I kept telling them, "Be brave, be brave, be brave." And then at at uh, nine eight in the in the in the tiebreaker, third set, second serve, Scotty hits a return. Okay, and McKenna just goes. It wasn't a call play. McKenna just goes. Okay, and McKenna just poached on a ball. And, 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 and Lulu, who's got good reflexes, was so surprised, couldn't even, couldn't even move. So, um, 
I've been, you know, it's all, it's all credit for Scotty. Scotty, you know, you're, we've been asking her back in the, you know, early years of, Hey, post move. You're so, you're so long. You're so talented. You, you know, you got really good hands. And so now she is actually, you know, become, because she's put in a lot more work, she become braver. You know, she's going for her volley. She's going, I mean, her mm-hmm. forehand volley, her backhand volley, her overhead, her whole neck game is so much stronger. And um, it's just made our doubles and, and even her singles game. And I'm, you know, convincing her to take more opportunities, you know, to, you know, to come into the net because she's finishing more balls. Uh, and, and she's, she's, she, you know, we've, we've, we've worked on it in practice. She's understanding because she's so good at the baseline. You know, it's kind of like when Haley Carter, Kaylee Carter changed and flipped her, basically her game from being defensive or being just an aggressive baseline to being an all-court player. And that's, and that made and allowed Haley Carter to be one of the best doubles players in the world you know, top 25 in the world, but it flipped for Haley when we played Texas. She played, you know, Bianca uh, Tirati, and she knew she could not beat her coming forward. And uh, and she finally took some balls out of the air and fit and, and finished at the net. And, and, and same thing with Scotty. Scotty's realizing that, you know what, I don't have to hit four or five winners a point to, you know, to, to win. And now in doubles, she's being much more active at the net. And, you know, I think for her, uh, playing with Reese and seeing how they complement each other has, has been really good. Mm-hmm. And to that end, you know, the big, the biggest coaching decision you probably had to make all weekend long was going into that singles final. Obviously, Fiona being injured, yeah, the Pepperdine decision, but you just kind of slide everyone up in that instance. But in that final, you make the choice to pull Scotty from singles. And obviously, I watched the Goldsmith match. It's right below our broadcast booth. She takes an injury timeout after the second set, now manages to get through to the third. But I'm curious, why was that the decision to pull Scotty, give Riley that, you know, play Riley at six, move Annika up to five? How was that choice made? Well, we've, it, this has been the most enjoyable um, season so far for many reasons. And this tournament was the most enjoyable one for me. You know, the first match against Pepperdine, you had you had uh, Reese Reese clinch it, clinches it. The second day against Michigan, Riley clinches it. The third day against A and M, Carson clinches it. And then the last day, you know, obviously Abby clinches it. Um, but uh, we have very unselfish people. Um, we had, Fiona didn't play the first day. Sky didn't play the second day. Okay, third day, um, you know, Riley didn't play, and um, so. You know, that doubles, that doubles point, you know, every, you know, just in a four day stretch, you, you know, you don't know how healthy or how, how people are feeling. And then that doubles took a lot out of Scotty. Uh, it took emotional toll and you could, you could see that she was, she was struggling. And we knew, we knew that um, with the depth that we have, if she wasn't hundred percent, you know, she, she could let me know. And um, she, you know, she, she wants, she wants to always do what's best for the team. And we felt, even if she doesn't play at Annika would be a good matchup against Kowalski. They flipped Kowalski um, and Hertel. So, you know, that would have been a long battle for Scotty to play a lot, you know, you know, just a lot of long, long points with Kowalski. So we felt that if she wasn't hundred percent play, you know, play um, Annika at five and then, and then Raul has been playing great tennis, play her at six and it uh, fortunately worked out. Yeah. Annika was great. I mean, throughout the course of the weekend, the big win on day one, win on day two as well. And then, you know, again, winning that second set on day three meant everything. 
you know, I saw the hug between the two of you uh, at five after the final match. What did she do to – because Kowalski's just, again, she is the thorn in the side, right? She's going to make that extra ball. Talk to me about what you saw from Monica at this event. Well, she was co-ACC Player of the Week this week. I mean, that, so it's not just me. Like everybody else recognized how amazing she was, uh, even, you know, playing at the bottom of the lineup. I mean, she um, – you know, we uh, – she, she'd been struggling with a little bit of shoulder injury and – Basically had to kind of retire against um, against Wisconsin, and she basically was out for about a week, week and a half, two weeks maybe. And um, but she's she's back. I mean, she's back playing really, you know, great tennis. That you know, she you know, she worked really hard this this summer to get her you know get herself in great shape and get her game at, at, at a top level. And you saw the dividends this fall. You know that uh, you know she's you know top twenty in the country after the fall. So. Just, you know, and now, you know, this match, um, you know, she had such tremendous success for us last year at indoors, you know, being the clinching, you know, deciding match against Oklahoma, uh, against, I, I know, one of your favorite, you know, sta- you know, in Staker, you know, so, she, you know, it's just a, she's such a, a great um, fighter and, and she be- believes in herself and wants to do what's best for the team. So it it was, she, it was just a great weekend performance for Veronica and, and um, and really happy for her. Let the record still show, though. 17-year-old me, 0-0 Veronica. Just used to just, <laughs> again, destroy her all the time. Uh, but also used to be like, all right, let's hit another forehand. So, you know, again, kept feeding that ball when it was that time as well. So you're welcome for that, too. Uh, no, she, she, yeah, she was excellent, and uh, it was really fun to watch. And then, you know, to get big picture here, uh, because you talked about this earlier, the joy your team has being together. And again, I've been fortunate enough to be along for the ride for these last four national indoor runs. And I'm not saying these other teams didn't have this as well, but there is something a little bit different about this group. And I think part of it is that they're a little bit older. They're a little bit more experienced together. Again, you you have a core nine, excluding Abby, who have all been together for what, at least a year, two years minimum. And then you bring in someone like Abby Forbes, who has as as much experience as anyone in the country was going to fit in like a hand in a glove on any roster. And of course, to get her just adds to the riches. There's something about this group. Like, I I, I don't know if you I'm curious if you sense it as well, where it does feel like Talent being equal, as we know at the NCAA, sometimes it comes down to the intangible things. It feels like this group really trusts one another to get the job done. Yeah, they're very open. To, they're, they have a growth mentality. They, they really, truly do. They, um, they're very unselfish, and we're, we're trying to do other things uh, that we have never done before that, are, you know, that hopefully can make a difference and they're they're willing to try different things. They're they're trusting um, each other. They're trusting uh, us coaches. And you know, they, they to me, there's there's two elements to about you know that, that that are successful elements. They care about each other and they respect each other. And um, everybody everybody wants to play all the way down the lineup, um, but they know that uh, when their name's called. Uh, they're they're going to be ready, and um, it's it's important for them to continue to to keep working because you know I, you know we talk about it all the time that this is this is a unit that you know we're we're really we're really relying on on everyone in 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 some way shape or form on the court off the court um, you know somebody that it goes very unnoticed uh, maybe from the the scorebook 
uh, is Sophia Patel. I mean, she's our captain. She came back for a fifth year, and she is the glue that keeps every, everything together. I mean, I I rely on her so much for you know for uh, information. The girls go to her. Uh, it's it's such a wonderful kind of connection that she has with the team and with us coaching staff that it truly is invaluable. We would not be as successful a team this year uh, without her leadership and her guidance. Mm-hmm. No, it's fascinating to obviously hear and see. And I think part of that is, well, it's not just what we see on the court, but off the court. Talk to me about the traveling contingent that comes to these national indoors. I mean, I was fortunate. I finally got to meet Mrs. Kalbis. I think we've met before, but it was nice to get to spend some time with her, obviously, after the match. And, you know, the Thompsons are there. All the traveling family is there. Fiona's brother and sister come out to surprise her for her birthday. Talk to me about what it means. Well, A, how do you... How do you rally the troops so well? And, you know, again, it's like, let's go. Let, let's get moving and what it means to have that contingent with you. Well, I mean, yeah, you mentioned we, we, we're we truly a family. It really I'm, – I'm not just saying that. We have – almost every one of our players' family came and supported and were there. My parents, you know, Tyler's mom and, um, and, and his son traveled. You know, obviously you got uh, – you know, you mentioned Fiona. You got Annika's father. You got Carson's mom, Carson's brother. Okay, so, you know, the other thing is, you know, what's really interesting is like, you know, Tom and Nancy Tuning um, are, you know, who have been incredible. He's a former men's tennis player. He's going to be in Chicago supporting the guys. They have given so much to our program, not just in in dollars, but in just friendship and love and loyalty and guidance and support. Um, they, they, they were out there, uh, you know, this guy, Jeff Scott. Jeff Scott, uh, what we do is if if you join our Tar Heel Tennis Club and you you give a certain amount of money, you get to pick a trip. And Scott picked uh, Jeff picked this trip, and we we had to come out there and um, and then obviously Reese's parents they had never experienced it before from a you know a player's perspective, but they were at, in Wisconsin last year and kind of watched us and you know they were there um, and you know Kevin Kane is a, uh, a father of one of our former players and. He, he's just incredible, credible. Uh, I mean, he's his background, if you know, but he he was the goalie for Anson Dorrance when really? Anson was coaching men and women. And he also then after that became was the assistant women's basketball coach at, at UNC. But he's a he's a, he's a tennis uh, coach and guru. He he knows more about the game than we do. He 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 texts us and emails us his thoughts after the weekends of matches. And he's just a very very. Uh, a great supporter and friend of ours. Um, we call him our director of security, basically, because he, you know, he's he's there to help us with anything we need. So there's just a tremendous following that that our program has, um, and other people that weren't there, like Dave and Gene Haas, and and just some other t- people that have really done incredible things for our program. That we're just we're very blessed and excited to to see where our program is going. No, it, it's again a testament to what you guys have built. Seven titles in the last 11 years, 10 finals overall, nine consecutively, first program in women's history to win four in a row, you know, second only other, the only other to do with the Virginia men from 08 to 11. And, you know, again, last few questions for you here. This one might be silly. Will you watch the film? Like, will you go back and watch some of these performances? What do you guys do to digest the past weekend? Um, I mean, we will, we'll watch, we'll watch some of the, the matches. We'll watch some of the film, um, just to kind of 
see what we can do to, to improve and get better. Um, um, you know, there's, to me, there's, there, you know, where there's three, there's three seasons, really. The, the first season is the, is the indoor season, you know, that, you know, that culminates with the national indoors. And then the second season for us is the ACC season. And then the third season is the postseason. So you're really, you're really, you kind of break it down to three seasons. So, um, honestly, um, you know, now that we go into ACC play and potentially more outdoor play, uh, it becomes a different season. So you're, you're trying to kind of look at, you know, things that you're, that you can take from the first season and, 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 and build from there, but there's going to be other things that you're going to have to kind of see, you know, how things are different, how we can kind of, uh, adjust to the different environments that, that now our, our, our players are going to have to be accustomed to. Well, to that end, nine days at Virginia, uh, that's a welcome to ACC season start for you. Obviously, you guys have had this success before. And, you know, for your program, you're looking at trying to make sure you, you haven't peaked here in February, that this team will continue to improve. I know it's day by day, but, you know, what does that process, process look like? What happens from here with this group? Between now and nine days or in between now and the end of the year? Well, all, yeah, all of the above. Well, I mean, between now and, and this weekend, it's kind of some rest and recovery. Uh, get back to, uh, we were fortunate the last two days to not have classes. We had some wellness days on Monday and Tuesday, so they didn't miss class Monday and Tuesday. But uh, we got back late last night, so um, they, they have recovery day today. They have mobility day today. Uh, tomorrow we're back at practice. Um so um, Friday, another day of practice, um, and then they'll have the weekend off, and then we'll get ready, you know, for you know for the the first ACC matches. Um, and it looks like we may be outdoors, you know, for you know that uh, that maybe that first match or so. You know, it's it's seventy five degrees out here today in in Chapel Hill, so weather is good. So trying to get some outdoor play, which will be a little different than we've than we've been accustomed to so far but excited i love when we go outdoors um and then for the rest of the year um for us it's um you know we've we're again we're doing some different things this year we have uh working we're, we're, we're definitely as a team we're working with some specialists that we have never done before one of them is trying to to have a schedule uh that allows us to hopefully peak and 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 uh uh and taper uh, at the right times so we'll see how that's 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 working. It's something different. This team is buying into it, and you know, there's some what they call red days that um, that normally those red days would be kind of more easier days, and now they have to work through different things and and play more tired when they when they're not accustomed to that. So uh, it's 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 uh, challenging physically and mentally at times for them, but uh, the goal is for us to hopefully continue to get better and play our best season at uh, best tennis at the end of the season mm-hmm. that idea of tapering is fascinating to me scaling up scaling back at the appropriate moments obviously finding that's the magic number and you know with all of that in mind before I let you go I think this is the most important question I can ask you here at this interview Tyler can't shave until you guys lose right like that's the deal now <laughs> this beard is a beard he holds until this team loses a match he has um that's his winter beard. So okay, uh, he's in the last few years he has he has grown that 
for the 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 through February time frame. Okay. Um, he has a birthday coming up here uh, on the twenty fifth, so I'm not so sure he's twenty six, you know, twenty seven. What's he turning? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. twenty nine for the third time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, if you look at his beard close enough, it has some grayness to it. So um, you can't tell that on the top of his head because there's not a lot of gray on the top of his head. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's. You know, normally he shaves the beard not based on win or losing. It's more of like, you know, when the weather gets better. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. I think we should get on Carolina Twitter and put a poll to the fans, poll to the team. He has to keep the beard until and <laughs> unless you guys, you know, lose a match and then he can shave that because that was the that was one of the differences as well, clearly. Uh but no, yeah, right? I think I think the difference is the fact that um when you started covering uh <laughs> the national indoors, you know, that's what I what started our streak. So I just want you to know that you know, you t- you take credit, you should take credit because we have <laughs> Four straight, but it's four straight because of your starting covering crack rackets and national indoors. I'm um, look. They say causation, not correlation. But um, you know, again, we'll leave it up to the scholars to decide. And I will certainly say this: it's been a pleasure for me to get to see that up close because, again, it's history in the making. And seven national indoor championships for your program, seven na- national indoor championships for you, uh, all of them coming in the last eleven years. That's a dynasty. And again, that's a testament to what you guys have built in Chapel Hill, all of the players who have come through as well. So, Coach, congratulations on another national indoor championship. Uh, I appreciate you, as always, taking the time to chat with us, and good luck to you in the Tar Heels this season. Thank you, Alex. Have fun in Chicago. Yes, of course. Take care. Thanks, buddy. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with UNC women's tennis head coach Brian Kalbus. Another massive congratulations to he and this Tar Heel program on another successful run to the indoor title again. If that's not a dynasty for titles consecutively seven in an 11 year stretch I don't know what a dynasty looks like you're just not going to find runs like this in any sport in college tennis history a shout out again to this UNC Tar Heel program with all of that said if you're looking for extended thoughts on the national indoor championships head on over to our Crack Rackets YouTube channel or Great Shot podcast feed John Parsons and I broke down everything that happened over the course of the weekend in Seattle of course coming up this This weekend, we've got the D1 men's indoors in Chicago. We'll have coverage from first ball to last starting 9 a.m. Central Time Friday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. It will be myself and Mike Cation steering the ship all weekend along. Of course, a shout out as well to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, not just with these podcasts, but of course, behind the scenes, making all of our broadcasts possible as well. I know some of you out there are looking for some pro tennis coverage. We'll have that for you on the mini break this week as well. As we know, it's our job here at Crack Rackets to ensure you have all the most up-to-date information on everything happening in the tennis world. With all of that said, a shout out, of course, to our friends at Swing Vision for their support of this show. Remember, go to the Swing Vision app today to have the most access to the best artificial intelligence technology in the sport. Click on the link in the description in this podcast to learn more. With all of that said, for the fantastic head coach, Brian Calvis, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.